0: You are listening to How Does She Do It, episode 53. Welcome to the ride. Thank you for listening to another episode of How Does She Do It, a podcast dedicated to sharing practical insight and honest perspective on being grown. My name is Tiffany, and I am your host. And if this is your first time listening, welcome. If this is your fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, 52nd time listening, welcome back. I am happy to have you. This podcast does not exist without you. We are approaching the end of the year, 53 episodes in, one more episode to go, and I can't wait for, for to hear from you um, about you know, how your year has been. We're going to do some reflections in the next episode, but before we get into this week's conversation with Patrice Washington, my guest, I'm going to make a few pre-show announcements. The show notes for this week's episode will be available at howdosshedoitpodcast.com. So the links that are mentioned there, you'll be able to get in touch with Patrice that way through her social media handles on the show notes. If you have any questions, comments, topic suggestions, please feel free to send an email to Tiffany at com. And if you had not, had a chance to leave a five-star rating and review in the Apple Podcast app, I, pl- I encourage you and ask that you do so. We have made it to over 100 reviews and that is a very big deal for a podcast that is not backed by a, you know uh, sponsors or it does not have a fancy network name attached to it. And that is because of the support that I get from you. So please continue to rate and review the podcast, share it with people who you think might find it valuable. And I appreciate you so very much. So um, this week, because again, this is a longer conversation that is filled with so many great, so many great gems, so much great wisdom. I am not going to do just my thoughts, but I want to just kind of get right into just sharing a little bit about who Patrice Washington is. Patrice is also known as America's Money Maven. She's a nationally recognized bestselling author. She's a columnist, a television commentator. She's a speaker, a spokesperson, radio host, and she is a leading authority on personal finance, entrepreneurship, and success for women and youth. She has a new podcast out called Redefining Wealth, She is the author of several books that are, that are focused on kind of giving you empowerment related to your money mindset, but also giving you practical tools on how to kind of actually grow and build your wealth. But what we talk about in this conversation is not about like not just like practical ways to to save money or budgeting and things like that. We talk about wealth from a very holistic perspective and you know that's exactly what we that's the goal of how does she do it and that is exactly kind of the the platform and the the framework that Patrice comes from. So you will hear so many gems, so many great stories, so many real experiences that she has had both personally and working with clients and I really encourage you to just kind of sit back listen to this episode. And really take it all in because she is just so generous and has so much great information to share. So I will connect with you again at the end of this episode. But until then, please enjoy this conversation with Patrice Washington. All right. Well, Patrice, thank you so much for being on this episode of How Does She Do It?
1: Thank you for having me. I'm so excited.
0: Thank you, thank you. Well, I was just is, listening
1: to you and now I'm here. That's amazing because I, um, so
0: I heard you on the Paychecks and Balances podcast where my good friend, uh, Rich and Marcus are the hosts. And when I heard you, I was like, I was so zoned into the conversation. I was like, oh my God, I want to be her friend and I need to listen to everything. And then you mentioned that you had a <laughs> podcast and I went and list- and started listening to your pillars and I was like, oh my goodness, I have to, I need everyone to know about this. So I'm so happy that we connected. Me too. Thank you. Thank you. So, you are a personal finance expert, and you're known as America's money maven. You are an author, you are a, a I would call a a media personality because you're, like I was mentioning to you earlier, your branding is amazing. You have these really great videos, these really great podcasts now, these articles, these books. And I want to just give you to my audience who may not know who you are, tell us a little bit about who you are and how you kind of got to become America's Money Maven.
1: Yeah, you know, I always tell people, Tiffany, I'm always blown away on paychecks and balances. I heard them reading my bio, and I was like, "Man, it sounds like I do a whole bunch." Like I'm a a classic do too mucher, but really, everything that I do, it comes from a heart of just really wanting to inspire people um, to be better with their finances, and it comes from a place of compassion. And there's a lot of people out here who are very passionate about financial education. But I didn't have compassion until I built a seven-figure business by 25 years old. I started in real estate at 19 during my sophomore year in college, became a real estate and mortgage broker at 21. And then I used speaking as a tool to really bring clients in and educate and go all over Southern California and teach people. And so I was passionate about moving people from debt management to money mastery and using real estate as a way to build wealth. And I thought that I was doing so well back then, Tiffany, I was young. I was like, I'm going to do this forever. Like, I'm going to just ride this out and just keep adding people to the team. And then life happened. And then the recession hit. And at the beginning of the recession, you know, for people who are in real estate, we were kind of like the first people to feel it. And I actually felt it quite a bit because as the first set of banks started closing down, I was on bed rest in the hospital Uh, Because I had taken a fall down the stairs while I was pregnant Mm. and that sent me into preterm labor And by the grace of god, she actually stayed in for another 10 weeks while I laid in that hospital room on bed rest But the kicker was I was in the hospital Waiting there to have my baby girl watching the banks close down one by one watching the news stories And I remember my doctor coming in the room and they were monitoring me with this belt around my waist 24-7, monitoring the baby. And she comes in the room. She's like, I don't know what you're stressing about, but whatever it is, you need to stop because you're going to mess around and leave here two years in a row with no baby. Because the year before, I was in that same hospital on the same floor and I had given birth to my husband, my husband, I, he's my child too. No, I had given <laughs> I had given birth to a son, um, also prematurely and he passed after 5 hours in my arms. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, Tiffany, I literally made a decision that I had to let it go. Mm-hmm. Like I could not try to hold on to the business, hold on to the homes, hold on to the cars, and hold on to this dream of having this little girl. Like something had to go and she was not the one.
0: Yes.
1: And and I was like God, if you did it before, you could do it again. If you gave me whatever I needed to get here like one time, then I have to trust and believe that I'll figure it out again. I don't know what it looks like. I don't know what the next best step is. I don't know anything except for the fact that I want to keep this baby in until 40 weeks. And I didn't get to 40 weeks. I got to a little over 30 weeks, but grace of God, she's still here to this day running the show, you know. <laughs> um, she She was in the hospital for 21 days. And, but between my hospital stay and her hospital stay, we left with $400,000 in medical debt. And at the same time, business was failing. I had 16 loan officers and real estate agents and nobody was closing deals. It was just a nightmare. It was like, you know, it was like everything that could happen, happened. Right. I found myself moving from Southern California, where my primary residence foreclosed. And my husband and I had matching Range Rovers. Those were repossessed. Voluntarily though, because I called them. I said, what you want to do with these? I mean, <laughs> come get them. <laughs> you want me to drop it off? You want to pick it up? Like, How what we are we going to do this? Do this? Mm-hmm. How are we going to do it? Right. Um, And so everything in my life was a whirlwind. The only thing that was like, the silver lining was my baby was healthy. You know, everything else seemed like just a mess. And we ended up leaving Southern Cal, Los Angeles and, and living in Metairie, Louisiana, which is where the airport is outside of new Orleans. And, um, we lived in a 600 square foot box. Uh, it felt like the closet that I'm sitting in right now as mm. we record. This. And, um, I remember just getting to this point where I just couldn't take it anymore. And I looked in the mirror and I just start bawling. And then that bawling turned to a slow crawl down the wall, like, and ended up on the floor, you know, where literally my back was against the wall, was up against the wall. And um, I was on the bathroom floor. I was on my knees. I was balled up in the fetal position position. And I was just like, God, why, why would like, why, like, why would you bring me here? Like, why would you bring me here? Leave me here. And I was in a strange place with no friends, no family, and a a newborn baby. Mm -hmm. She was like six months old at the time, actually. And, um, I felt this still small voice say, get your Bible, get your Bible. And I got my Bible, was like right on the bed, not far from where I was, um, reached out, got my Bible, and I turned and it landed literally, I opened it up and it was on Proverbs and I loved Proverbs. I had always been a, you know, Proverbs girl, but you know, when you have read something before, but you read it in a moment, it has a totally different meaning for you. Oh yes. Like I had read Proverbs 17, 16 before, but in that moment I read it, Proverbs 17, 16, it said, what good is money? In the hands of a fool, if they have no desire to seek wisdom. Like, what good is money in the hands of a fool if they have no desire to seek wisdom? And, like, man, in that moment, I'm like, one, okay, clearly I'm a fool. (laughs) I think that's what God's trying to tell me. But I was like, you haven't been seeking wisdom. You haven't been seeking wisdom. You haven't asked anyone for help. You're too proud to ask for help. You know, you're used to being the one that everyone else comes to. So you haven't even practiced what that looks like. Um, I wasn't in masterminds. I wasn't getting coaching. I didn't really understand mentor mentee relationship. You know, I like I had just done so much really just on my own, essentially, you know, like I don't come from a family where there's a bunch of money and everyone is like popping and stuff. This has been really like a trial and error type of thing. I just knew that I was born to do something great. And I felt like that was it. And so when I didn't have that anymore, it's like my whole sense of self was like gone. Right. You know? Mm. And, um, I started researching that night, the different, I was like, but, but I have, um, a good degree from a good college. Like, you know, I passed my broker's exam first try. Like, what you mean? You know, the average person it. takes three try. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm like, wisdom. I got wisdom. I'm doing all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I, I consider it to be the Holy Spirit for me. But like the Holy Spirit was just teaching me in that moment, like, mm-mm. wisdom and knowledge, two different things, look it up. And I start looking it up. And I was like, oh, I have a lot of education. I've got a lot of knowledge. I have a lot of information, but wisdom is knowing when to apply the knowledge and education and information you have, like how to apply it, when to apply it, with whom to apply it. Like you're getting it twisted. And, and so girl from that night, the next day I ended up starting a blog and, um, a free blogspot.com oh yeah Lit- it, because I I didn't have money to do anything else so it was like I but I felt this fire in my belly like I gotta share this and I told God that night and that next morning and just for weeks to come really I was like man if you just allow me to share this with people if you really what I said was if you if you restore me I will share this with anybody that'll listen like any platform I could get anything you tell me to do I will go and do it anywhere Where you tell me to go, I will go. And so that's how I became the money Mm maiden. Like from that moment saying, God, when you, if you restore me, I'ma do my best to tell anybody what you've revealed to me. And that's what redefining wealth is, the podcast. You Mm -hmm. know, like that's what the videos are for. That's what my work is about, is really having the compassion because of all that I've gone through. To, to to not point a finger at people and be like, ah, oh, you're stupid, you suck, you this, you that, to be like, look, I get it. And we have been sold like a dream, you know, that, that was not real. Go to school, get a good job, do this, everything's going to be fine. Like, no, there is other stuff that comes along with this. And some folk want to listen, some folk don't. But I'm like, anybody who's willing to listen And man, am I willing to share? Absolutely. That's who I am. Oh my goodness. You,
0: first of all, thank you for being so um, generous with your story, because I think, I think it's the, the thing that I love about your platform and about your podcast in particular is that I feel like I'm listening to someone I can relate to that although you have all of these fly things happening that I don't get happening, have happening for myself, I don't Mm -hmm. ever feel like I am listening to someone who hit, who has not gone through some stuff that I am either going through or that I will, I might encounter on the way. And, um, you yeah. mentioned so many different amazing things like that I want to kind of unpack a little bit. You mentioned like your faith that you had faith while you were working, you know, when you were building this business, building your empire with the matching Range Rovers and out there balling and doing amazing things pre-recession. And then, but your faith had to be tested and put in a different perspective when all of that stuff kind of went away. Um, you also talked about yeah. surrender and decision. So like how, I guess in thinking about that point where, because if you, when you were on that floor, what you could have done was been like, I'm, I'm going to try, and I'm going to keep trying to do this my way. You mentioned that you kept trying to fix, 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 and nothing was working. What, how did, how do we like accept that we need to surrender?
1: One of One of the ways that I believe I accepted it was by looking back at so many things that God had already done, you know, for me, like looking at my testimony over my life, like looking at different times in my life when I kind of wanted to give up, you know, I wanted to give up freshman year in college. I was like, "Oh, these people are too smart." I don't. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I would call my mom crying, and my mom is like, "Girl, not you know, knock it off." She had no like, she no, felt, sympathy. no <laughs> kind of way about it. No. <laughs> sympathy. But even in that time, I started to think about. Remember when you were stressing out about the SATs, and then you just kind of like, you know what? You were like, you need to take a bath. You need to relax. It was like, I started to like rehearse in my mind really different times when I had to let go and then what the result was. Mm. And I saw that every time I accepted letting go, like whatever, and to this day, that still rings true for me. Um, Because again, do too much -er. So a lot of times, you know, you have all these irons in the fire and you have so much going on. And I just had a talk with my husband this week something has to go. Oh. something ha- like, it's like, I have to let go and surrender and just trust that whatever's left, God can use that to do whatever he needs to do, you know, because it's not about me. So, um, I would say, I would say trying to look back and look for different moments where I have let go and then look at the outcome, mm-hmm. you know, and letting go is not that you don't care. I think sometimes when we say that, I think that's where people kind of have a misconception. Letting go is, is not that I don't care. I'm still committed to the vision. I'm just not attached to how I get there. Mm. So it's like trying to take my hands off of it must go this way. You know, I, mm. I did this podcast um about walking in expectancy just last week, actually, and I did this podcast about walking in expectancy and I was breaking down the difference between expectations and walking in expectancy and expectations are like this must happen this way because I said so (laughs) not based on anything else it's it kind of makes it feel like you're in control of everything. And I don't know about you, but I know good and heck well I'm I'm not in control. You know, mm-hmm. like I've been like if I didn't know there have been so many things in my life that, that have come to remind me you're not in control. You need always, to that. <laughs> <laughs> always
0: those reminders come clear. They yeah, come clear.
1: right. Mm-hmm. And so I started to let go of the expectation of how I would get out of that situation. Because remember, I was trying to do one thing after another, so I was going to fix it and go, you know what? God has fixed things in the past. So let me walk with expectancy that he's going to do what he's done before. And let me just do the things that I can do in my own little human power. I know I can start this blog because it's free. And so from that, it was like little, like little God winks just kept happening. Like one thing after or another and every time a little something happened like a random person would send me a note and say they appreciated the blog and I'm like who are these people where are they coming from? How did they find me? What is it? You know, because I didn't even know about social media yet. <laughs> I didn't build my business with no social media. I didn't know anything about that, you know? So it was like like little tiny things, not huge wins, because sometimes we want everything to change overnight. No, I learned to celebrate very small wins. Which I've turned anything into a win, because I think that celebration just creates momentum anyway. So being able to surrender was just like i'm gonna take I'm gonna take my hands off of what having expectations about what this has to look like, and I'm gonna just trust mm. and just do one thing at a time. And so I took a lot of random odd jobs. I took things that were well beneath my degree, well beneath anything I had done. Um, my husband went from, you know, wearing tailored suits every day to working at Taco Bell, Mm. but like, it wasn't rosy. It wasn't all rainbows. It wasn't an overnight thing, but it was like, I'm going to walk in expectancy and trust that as I take each one of these tiny steps forward, this is going to come together for my good. And that's how I learned to surrender. And I looked at those God wings, like I said, like very small things that would happen is like. Okay, you're on the right path. You got to just take it and keep going.
0: Wow, that is um I love that expectancy versus expectation. It's like expectation is rigid and expectancy is almost like you it's like if you were to take to physically open your arms and expectancy gives you the room to receive so many more things whereas mm-hmm. expectations is just like the thing that you think that you're capable or that the 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 control that you're trying to have over the situation so you mentioned how like you built your business around like you you built the first your first business as a real estate um as a real estate broker uh at without social media and blogging kind of became mm-hmm. something that you did and but it, social media was still very new at that time we now live in a time where yeah expectation is all over our news feeds right so the way that someone else portrays their success we p- people perceive it as overnight when it's been a 10 year journey it's been an 8 year journey how do we how do we filter that how do we check what we see and what we see in social media against where the expectancy that we need to have for our own journey
1: Well, first of all, I unfollow people, even if I like them. I am determined to protect my peace and stay in alignment with what God called me to do. And sometimes I think that we get so caught up in following so many people and their um, filtered representation of what their lives are right and then we start judging ourselves against something that's not even real and i trust me i have found myself there and i'm like i like her but i completely have to unfollow her because in this moment i find myself going like oh i should do that that ain't what god called me to do mm-hmm. <laughs> you know like mm-hmm. that's not what i was called to do mm-hmm. and one of the reasons that faith is such a big pillar at redefining wealth. And I really advocate, you know, each of us having a sacred space where we can spend time being still and and meditating or praying or whatever that is for you so that we can always tap into what God wants for us. Not what he did for Tiffany, not what he did for Jane, not what he did for Keisha. Like what what am I supposed to do? And I think that social media, while it's an amazing tool, it's been a blessing for me. I met you through social media, you know, like, I think that it's a blessing, but it can also be a burden if we allow it. Like it can be the very bane of our existence because we are so caught up in checking and checking and checking and seeing what other people are doing. And one of the things that I've had to remind myself is I built a seven figure business with no Facebook. This is when I was twenty-five. That's and that's OG right there.
0: <laughs> that's dope <that's, that's laughs> <enough> right there.
1: <laughs> yeah, there was no, there was none of that. And when I looked at, because I was very intimidated by social media initially, and when I really looked at the core things in my business that helped me be successful in the first place, I really had to come back to that. One of them is, I'm an effective speaker. That's how I built the business in the first place. You know, I'm, I'm really great with people. Like, uh, I'm a relationship person. I believe in building relationships and what happens for me, especially when I see younger women in particular in social media is that it's so self-centered, like it's so all about them that they forget that business happens when two different parties are transacting. Like, like they need, someone else needs to get the benefit, not just the benefit of looking at you because you're cute. Mm -hmm. Like you need to either touch on some type of pain point and solve that for them Mm -hmm. or offer them a solution to something or give them some food for thought. Like there, there should be something else. And I think when we look at social media, we confuse followers and likes with money. And at the end of the day, at the end of the day, I'm still the money maven. I don't care if someone has 2 million followers, they are likely still broke Mm. because many people don't know how to leverage anything that they have in front of them. Mm -hmm. And so I'm not moved by that. You know what I mean? like Mm -hmm. I'm not moved by that at all. But social media is one of these places that gives people a false sense of financial security, you know, like, Right. You don't get paid just to have followers just because.
0: No, unless, you, not and exactly, just no. Not even unless you're just like, no, that's just the answer. To, that's just the answer to that. And I think that one of the things, you, and you touched upon this briefly, you mentioned your pillars. What I love about the introduction of your podcast is that you mentioned that you had these six pillars. You had these things that were really important to the foundation and structure of what redefining wealth is for you, your entire kind of perspective and approach. and two two of them struck me the most. The first was when you talked about fit and not just like like making sure that your body is physically capable to handle the success that you want and that you have. And the second, mm-hmm. um, and I think all of them are equally important but when, what struck me was the um, when you talked about space, And I swear I can, I can tell you where I was standing in my apartment when I was listening to that (laughs) episode, because it was like, you were calling me out. And I was like, "Hmm, she, how does she know? Like, how does she know that I need to declutter my space right now? I get that all the time. (laughs) Like, I literally, I was like, yo, I got to get my life together. So when you were thinking about coming up when you came up with those pillars and you identified those i just talked i guess um i guess my question is how how did you arrive at those thing those six pillars yeah. being things that were the the literally the pillars for redefining wealth and what your perspective is on approaching finance and and building wealth
1: so honestly tiffany what happened was what had happened was <laughs> <laughs> What had happened was, now I got tired of being invited to do television and radio in particular, and producers or whomever inviting me and wanting me to say the same stuff over and over again, the same sound bites. And, you know, when I was on that floor in the bathroom, I told God, you know, if you restore me, I'll do whatever, I'll go wherever and share the message. And I felt like, After doing this for several years, the message had become watered down into, you need to budget, you need to fix your credit, you need to do this, you need to do that. And I felt like I was really betraying um, myself, you know, like I was not living in what I told God I would do. Like I was betraying the promise I felt like I made on that floor, which is that I would teach people to seek wisdom. And that goes so far beyond um a budget. While I think it's important, it's not the only piece. And to get to the pillars, what I did was over these last couple of years in particular, as people have been asking me more and more, so okay, so you know, when I left New Orleans, I was sleeping on my brother's couch in his condo in Buckhead, Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for several, what, two and a half years, I was a recurring, um, the recurring financial expert on the Steve Harvey show. Mm-hmm. And then, um and then I got my weekly gig on his um radio show. So I have a weekly gig on the Steve Harvey radio show. And, you know, I just felt like, how could you be blessed with these platforms? You've gone from sleeping on your brother's couch to sitting on the couch across from Steve Harvey, across from Dr. Oz, you're on Fox News, you're doing all this stuff, and you sound like everybody else. And you know, good and hell well, that that's not what God told you to do. Mm. And I have been sharing little things in my work, like my, my best selling book, Real Money Answers for Every Woman. The first part is all mindset and behaviors and attitudes. So it's very much about what i believe and and that those are the parts where when people are like oh my gosh she's like my my big sister talking to me helping me like it's really that but then i let it go into the normal stuff that folks get in a personal finance book and it's a great book but i was like man you didn't tell them the whole story mm-hmm. so you are doing not that i've done people a disservice cuz i don't think that i know that i've helped thousands of people over these last several years but I felt like I I could go so much deeper if I basically um, categorized all the things that I really did. Mm. Like you you can't work on your budget twenty four seven, right? You know, right. like you can't check your credit every day. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like the, like these things they're nice things they're a part of the puzzle, but you can't do that every day. What do you do every day? You walk around with you every day. Right. And all of this is 20 percent skill set stuff and 80 percent who you are and how you show up. Mm. And if I'm not sharing with people the truth behind very specific things that my husband and I have done, my husband has a seven figure business. Again, I have a multiple six figure business. Like, I didn't do that creating budgets. <laughs> <You know? no. laughs> I, I just didn't. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, let me actually take them. And so I started to write down just daily habits, weekly habits, monthly habits. And then I rearranged them so that they would be grouped together, right? And that's Mm -hmm. how the pillars came about. I was like, you know what? I have been for the last several years, really working on me, really working on showing up as my best self because I was 28 years old with high blood pressure. Mm -hmm. And because I have a thin build, people assumed, oh, you're thin, you're healthy. That's a lie from the pits of hell. Girl. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Right. It's like, there's a lot of skinny people in caskets. You know what I'm saying? Like, you cannot think that that's being healthy, you know, in our pursuit in this, especially like you said, with social media, we're watching people talking about sleep is for suckers, and I ain't slept in days and all this stuff. And now we have people ignoring rest. Rest is so vital, right. right? Like ignoring rest, ignoring the aches and pains, ignoring their body, and then not getting help, not seeking wisdom for aches, mm-hmm. pains, whatever, until you have like the last stage of cancer. Like mm-hmm. like we don't have to wait that long. Right, right. And I'm like, if you have a vision for your life, then you have a response responsibility to protect the vessel needed to execute the vision mm. you don't get to say i want to go out here i don't for me i was like i don't get to say that i want to do a national book tour and i can't breathe walking around atlanta like mm. that listen <laughs> you know they what i mean you, they're not congruent. <laughs> the <plane. laughs> right it's not congruent It's not congruent. And Mm -hmm. even with the mental fitness, that's the other part of the fit pillar. I was like, so many of us are praying for things that we don't have the mental capacity to sustain. Mm -hmm. I'm praying for stuff. And are you really ready? So is somebody right now listening to us who is praying that they pop off and become the next Oprah? Are you ready for the attacks that come with being the next Oprah? Mm -hmm. Because you got to have a strong mindset. As my my granny used to say, you got to have a strong constitution. (laughs) <laughs> to deal with that level. <laughs> yes. You know, Caribbean. Mm-hmm. But, you oh, yes. know, you gotta have a strong mindset to deal with that level of pressure, with that level of visibility. With there's a lot that comes with that when you know, and I'm not saying that to deter you, but make sure you're ready. Mm-hmm. You know, I shared mm-hmm. with you that I grew up having really low self-esteem in terms of my looks. Now I always felt like I was the smart girl. I thought everybody liked me because I was smart, not because I was pretty. And when people would even say like, oh, you're pretty or something, I would think it was a lie that they were just, you know, trying to be nice because they complimented the girl right there. So they felt like they had to. I never it could never land, you know, as a compliment for me. And my husband is the one who started helping me with this in my early 20s. But I had to go to counseling to really deal with why someone in my family who's supposed to love and protect me and cherish me would be the number one person telling me every day I was ugly. And I believed it. I internalized it. So as a 5'10", you know, chocolate girl with full lips and big eyes, almond eyes and cheekbones, I used to hold my lips in. I used to, you know... Um, struggle, you know, sh- uh, hunch over to not look too tall. Mm-hmm. I was so thin that I used to put extra clothes on so I w- wouldn't look so skinny. They used to call me beanpole. Mm-hmm. Like, girl, any and everything I was just so ashamed of, right? And I think about how going to counseling in my early twenties and having my husband who was so affirming and would be like, "Are you crazy? Do you know what you look like?" I thought he, I thought we got together because we were best friends first. Like, I never thought it was because he thought I was pretty. You know what I mean? And so he's like, are you crazy? Have you seen you? You know, and between him and going to counseling, it really healed a lot of open wounds and trauma that I had since childhood. And here's why that's important. I have a very public you know, brand building, right? Like in terms of the television and speaking all over the place and doing a lot of magazine. Um, I'm always in print and, you know, stuff like that. Like I do a lot of stuff like that where people have to look at me. If this was 10 years ago, that might've been a problem. Mm. I couldn't Mm. have walked into what God was calling me to do 10 years ago. There's no way I could be this 10, 12, 15 years ago. I didn't have the mental capacity And what I tell people today is you might have all the education in the world. You might have all the knowledge. You may know how, be the best, all of that. But if at the back of your mind, you are dealing with some childhood trauma, right? That that you just have not dealt with. You wanna know why you're not able to move forward. It has nothing to do with you getting another degree. Mm -hmm. It has nothing to do with you going and taking out $100,000 worth of student loans. It probably has nothing to do with you going to a new job, a new industry, a new this, a new that. You have to deal with that stuff that's going on deep in the recesses of your mind because that could be what's keeping you from your wealth.
0: Absolutely. And that's, that stuff will, that stuff will come back. And a little bit about my own story. That was, that was the thing that I recognized when I, when I was about to make my career shift was that there was stuff that I had not dealt with that had come with me that just showed up on my front door and was like, you can't go past here until we start to deal with these things. And I think Mm -hmm. that that point about, you know, your foundation having to be solid and not, and having your faith, having, going to counseling, not being afraid to say, you know what? I think I need a little bit of therapy. I might need a lot of bit of therapy Mm -hmm. and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, (laughs) (laughs) There's nothing (laughs) wrong with, um, with receiving the love that other people have for you, even if you, even, and just letting it kind of rest on you, even when you're still learning to like, to accept that yourself. And I think that, you know, a lot of what you talk about, and like you mentioned uh, in reading um, your book, it does feel like a big sister is talking to you in that month in that conversation about your mindset, because it's the stuff from our past that often keeps people from being able to access this idea that wealth is so much more than just money in the bank. So when you talk yeah. so much about Mindset and you have a money mindset framework. Like, what are some of the things that block people when it comes to their money? Like, what are some things that hold people back when it comes to their money mindset and kind of growing and trying to attain
1: and build wealth? One of the big things that holds our money mindset back are just the people that we surround ourselves with, you know, like because they help shape that mindset. Mm. And so, from the book, I talk a lot about how the financial blueprint or the money mindset that we have is usually formed in childhood and not even because someone was having deliberate conversations it could be what you heard like some of the conversations you've heard it could be um what you saw what was modeled for you and you know when something's normal tiff it just doesn't stand out Mm -hmm. it's just the norm Mm-hmm. So if everyone in your family says things like well, it takes money to make money and it is so matter of fact That is so small. is so subtle, right? But then here you are 30 40 years later And you're living paycheck to paycheck, but you want to start a business mm-hmm. And while you have a great idea you have the degree you have the talent You got the looks the whatever you need to make it happen. You have it all and you're trying to put it out there. You're trying to do things you're trying, but nothing is succeeding. In the back of your mind, if you have heard over and over again, it takes money to make money. And you know, you ain't got none. Bad English, but it's right. <laughs> and you Yes, it is. You know, <laughs> you know, you don't have it. There's something that is going to stop you from moving forward. You're going to have analysis paralysis. You're going to have you know, your fear is going to start to show up in different ways. Now, I'm always fearful when I do something. I don't think I've launched anything or put anything out there that didn't have a little fear on it. I'm not even going to lie to you, Mm -hmm. right? When I was starting the podcast, it happened so quickly. I was like, oh Lord, maybe I should have waited until the new year. I'm trying to do my, like I had all these thoughts, but I I manage my fear. I don't let it manage me. I push through anyway. What happens for a lot of us is that fear ends up becoming, oh, my mama always said X, Y, and Z, right? Because, you know, you start telling yourself these stories and your brain is always trying to prove itself right. Mm
0: -hmm. So
1: then you start making silly mistakes to to stop it so that you can justify what mama always said, right? Mm -hmm. Or your fear makes you become a super duper perfectionist where you're waiting to get ready like you're getting ready to get ready getting ready to get, to get ready, ready, ready. To get ready. Uh-huh. <laughs> right like that fear starts to manifest in so many different ways but your wealth is tied into that idea girl like your wealth is tied into what it is you're trying to launch hmm. and so this one mindset that came from one little line that people used to say cuz you got to remember it's just a thread these are your beliefs right like once this is said over and over again, this becomes a belief and your belief is gonna dictate your action and your action is gonna create habits and those habits are gonna give you results. And if that initial belief is, is rooted and embedded in fear and in, in the expectation that something's gonna go wrong anyway, then you're gonna find this cycle of stuff just keeps happening and you and you loop and loop and loop and now it becomes, well, that's easy for them. Because you know what happens too, you know, when you get in this position, now you want to find other people to commiserate with. Okay. And now you find a little, a few folks who can confirm it. Probably people who grew up the same way or have a similar mindset, which is very dangerous. Mm-hmm. Right? But like attracts like. And now you guys are all talking about how this doesn't work, how this doesn't work, how these people and they must've did this and that. Now- now, you know, people who have made it. Must have did something bad or something mm-hmm. wrong, or mm-hmm. they they taken advantage of people. All those negative things that people typically like to say about <laughs> wealthy people. And I, I have people who f- have followed me for years, Tiff, and they really like me, right? And then if I ever have a chance to meet them, sometimes I get to unpack stuff, and and people will start to just you know, like tell me all this stuff about rich people and wealthy people and this and that, and I'm like, wow do you think all rich people? Like, yeah, rich people. I'm like, well, what do you think I am? Mm. Hmm. Like, what do you think I am?
0: Oh, you're different. You're not not like them. Mm -hmm.
1: It's like, you have this belief from childhood that takes money to make money. You know, um, money is the root of all evil. Or, you know, wealthy people are this, they get rich, the rich keep getting richer and the poor keep getting poor and rich people are getting off the, getting money off the backs of the poor. Like there's all these conversations, right? right? And if that is rooted in the back of your mind, how can you expect to get wealthy? And if like, you never, you say you
0: really right. And, and, and if you've never brought it to your awareness, because even first of all, you mentioned money is the love money is the root of all evil is I believe the verse is the love of money is the root of all evil. Right. So that's a whole, yes. right. So people give it, people misquoting the scripture. People love misquoting scripture. I've learned that so much in the last couple months, <laughs> but I, I think that it's so powerful that something that we are, are not even consciously aware of is can can cause us, can hold us back in very like tangible ways when it comes to the things that we are able to do and not do. I think one of the things that you talked about is like your do and don't do habits or the habits that you, if habits are not just things that you do, but habits are do. also things that you don't do. Not, and yeah, I read that, that and habit. I was like, you know what? yo, that is so real. So how, how do, so I guess before I jump to that point, how do we begin to unpack and bring our beliefs or our money mindsets that have been maybe playing in our subconscious without us realizing, how do we bring those to the forefront so that we may be able to kind of unlock our potential to earn this wealth and access wealth?
1: Yeah. So in the book, I list a lot of questions um, and I have a space for people to fill in um, because I really believe that you can't recondition what you don't recognize. And one of the first steps is just recognizing that something ain't right, you know? And acknowledging it and being honest with yourself. Like being honest with yourself that something isn't right. There's something that's keeping me stuck. And I'm going to make a decision to move forward at all costs. Even if it makes me uncomfortable, even if it makes me look at my mama and daddy crazy. Like, even if I, it just means I have to sacrifice some things that I have held on to for a really long time. Mm. Like, it's about that surrendering piece, you know, like it just mm. comes first. I'm OK. I don't have an expectation of how I have to get there. I just have to walk in expectancy that it's coming. And so it's about asking yourself the hard question. It's like, what did I hear about money when I was growing up? It's really hard. Like for me, one of them is modeling and it's like, what did you see? And my mom, you know, used a lot of credit cards when I was a kid. It took a lot of strength and um, come to Jesus <laughs> moments to accept that my mom, as much as I love her, demonstrated some very unsorted behaviors. These were not behaviors that would set her up or me up for wealth. Mm -hmm. And I'm not mad at her. She didn't know what she didn't know. But, you know, when you're a little kid, you hold your parents on such a pedestal. Well, many of us do. It's like, oh, my mom knows everything or my dad is so smart or whatever. And then you grow up and you realize not so much. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, now that I'm 36 and I think about, you know, my mom, me, you know, when she was 36 and I was a six-year-old, I'm like, that's really not that old, you know, like, (laughs) Mm -mm. you know, you're just like, wait a minute. (laughs) And it's, it's, it's accepting, first of all, that something's got to change. I I used to say, you know, you got to get to the point where you're sick and tired of being sick and tired. Yes, Lord. And you were like, you know what? I've done it my way long enough. I'm Mm -hmm. open to a new possibility. Yeah. And then asking yourself the questions, what did I hear about money? What did I see? What are some of the things that I experienced? Being okay with being still, being quiet, removing distractions so that you can think really deeply over the last 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years and look at what those things are, right? Mm -hmm. And then looking at what your current results are and making the connections where you can. Mm -hmm. And it takes time. It doesn't happen in one sitting it's one of those things um, where you'll just have an awakening that there's something different, but you have to embrace it. You know, you have to want it. This can't be another collection of information because that's not wisdom. Right. That's just more stuff. That's just more information. It's not wisdom. Right. And that's what we have to get to. And then once you recognize maybe some of these sayings, um, some of these little quotes, some of these misquoted scriptures, once you identify some things that you saw or something you experienced, right, then you connect it to, like I said, some of your behavior today. Um, for example, like if I I did coach a woman years ago who had been teased really, really badly, like on the schoolyard, not having the right clothes mm-hmm. and wearing fake shoes, you know, the instead mm-hmm. of Reeboks, she had on like Weeboks or something, right? Mm-hmm. And it was all good until her friend's, turned on her because these other girls start teasing her. And then the the two girls she thought were her friend, they start teasing her too to fit in. Mm. And she made a decision in that moment as a kid, this will never happen to me again, right? This will never happen to me again. So you fast forward, she meets me, she's in her thirties. This is years ago, I was in Atlanta. She has a six figure job, no kids, no husband, um, does really well for herself. And can't figure out why she has no money ever. Why she feels just as broke as she did when she was making $30,000, $40,000 a year. Wow! And she came because she wanted me to help her with a budget. Real talk. And as soon as I started talking to her, I was like, child, don't need this has budget. nothing
0: to do with a budget. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: This has nothing to do with a budget. And so it took some time. But once we unpacked it, we finally got to that day on the playground where she got teased and she made up in her mind, I'm not going to let people do me like this. Then we'll do that again. And so from the time she was a teenager having little jobs until that moment when I was coaching her, she spent every additional dollar she had making sure that people never talked about her again. So she shows up, she the baddest, she the flyest, she got the best car, she got the best purse, she got the best shoes, stay Mm -hmm. fly broke. Mm. No money. And that's why I teach people becoming wealthy has 100% nothing to do with money. She had the money. It has 100% everything to do with us and our mindsets towards money. Hmm. And once that once we could get clear and take her back to that 12-year-old version of herself. Right? It's like who's running the show? Wow. 12-year-old version of you, 35 version of you. Who who's running the show? And in that way she She could start changing her habits right. because then she would see she would she would be present to what comes up for her in that moment when she gets to make a decision to swipe right. or buy something, and then she could say, this a twelve year old version this little girl in the schoolyard who's nope, in control who's in mm-hmm. control right and that right. Changed, that started to change everything for her. Wow. So it sounds
0: so it's a lot of it's it starts with awareness. Everything, a lot Mm -hmm. of what we talked about today really starts with awareness and recognition. Even if you're not yet sure what that next step is, you have to be Mm -hmm. present with your current actions to the point where you have to start asking yourself, okay, well, why why is this happening? Why does this same thing yeah. keep happening in the same way that it's happening? And I think that that's such a powerful, um, it's a powerful shift because, like you said, we hear all this stuff about credit, get your budget together, stop buying lattes, don't go on trips, you know, snowball method, all this kind of great stuff. And if you, you can do all that, you can do all that stuff and like you said, and still be broke and still. And I think that that is when thinking about, you know, um, where and be we are.
1: broken in spirit. Mm, right. Wow. You can still be broke and broken in spirit. I think that people mismanage their finances due to lack of fulfillment. Hmm. I really do. And that's what the pillars are about. It's helping people be fulfilled in every area of their life. So that they can truly experience wealth, you know, like, Mm -hmm. like, I believe that the financial piece will come, but I also believe that it's so rich to feel that in every area of your life. Like, I am showing up empowered and being the best, best version of me in every sense of the word. Right, because I, yeah, and I think that nothing, and that's what a
0: lot of what I talk about on this podcast is really about is about approaching your whole person because I do a lot of, I do career coaching. Your career is not about the thing that you do at work every single day. In the same way that your, you know, your financial picture is not just about, you know, the, the money and the dollars in your account. There's a journey that got you there. And there's a, there's something that could be keeping you from t- getting yourself to that next level. And it doesn't have to do with a title. It doesn't no. have to do with a promotion. It doesn't have to do with who your boss is or what company you work for. It has to do with, with the foundation of who you are, and then how all of that comes and connects to everything else that you're doing and that you're um, that you're living every day. Um, I. We, I don't. I could talk to you for another four hours, and because this has been such a rich, rich, rich conversation, and I know there is so I know, much. It flew by. It really, really did. It really did. Um, and I want to. So the I have a question that I ask all of my guests that come on um, the show before we wrap up. If someone asked, what, how does Patrice do it? What is one value or habit you could share that gives insight into your success?
1: How do I do it? Oh, there's so many things I want to say. One one thing. By remembering every day that it's not even about me.
0: Mm.
1: Like, I really make a conscious effort to pray for my audience, to pray for my, my clients, you know, to shoot girl I pray for my enemies but just that um that people see God in me and that and you know that in the in a sea of everyone trying to sell something or stand out or do all this stuff that people can sift through BS and see the genuine heart in which I do what I do Mm. That is beautiful. Oh, thank you so much. And how can our
0: listeners, my listeners, get in touch with you? How can we find you on the internets and social media?
1: Yeah, well, you can definitely visit patricewashington.com. Come on over there. Um, There you'll see the weekly videos and the podcasts and stuff. And um, everywhere on social media, I play a lot on Instagram uh, and Facebook and Twitter, Seek Wisdom PCW. It's Seek Mm. Wisdom. And my initials, P-C-W. And I will definitely put
0: links to uh, connect with you in the show notes. And please check out Redefining Wealth. This podcast is one of the, it just, it's a, it's just a warm, like you get a warmth listening to you, um, even on your solo episodes, as well Mm -hmm. as with your guests. And um, it has been truly, truly a blessing talking with you this evening. And I cannot wait to, uh, to stay connected and to see, other great things that you have coming forward in the next several several months and years to come.
1: Oh, uh, thank you, Tiffany. I, I so appreciate being here. I could talk to you all night too. Like you, you're my girlfriend. Um, <laughs> like we're just we're just friends. Letting just you guys in. We're just
0: right, right. We're just talking. We're just talking. Yeah.
1: Thank you. So thank you I, I appreciate the invite and thank you for the support. I'm I'm definitely humbled. Absolutely. Thank you. That
0: conversation was so many of the things. I just want to highlight a few things that she said that stuck out to me or parts of the conversation. The difference between expectation and expectancy, being committed to the vision, but not staying attached to how you get there, being ready for what you pray for and the importance of getting ready for what you're praying for, and and making sure that you are being aware and paying attention to the things that you're doing and the things that you're not doing. Uh, she said specifically, you can't recondition what you don't recognize. And that is just so, so powerful. So pay attention to how you're walking every day and how you're showing up and everything. And, um, how you're showing up here to listen. How does she do it? Thank you again for listening to episode 53. We have one more episode before the year is over. And I am so excited to say that it's been another great year, another great set of opportunities and conversations. And I really appreciate your support. And until next time, be blessed and be a blessing. Peace.